hoping to start the uh, after-school pickup this Wednesday, um, but until I can get um, some drivers penciled in for at least like a month in advance, I'm going to hold off on that. So we're just going to have regular Wednesday night service, and we won't start the pickup until um, it'll be on hold until further notice. But so if you're if pray about it, if you're interested in driving, interested in being on the insurance, so you can do pickup after school. It's about a uh, 30 minute responsibility. Um, let me know. Let Mr. Artie know. Uh, we will get that straightened out for you, and we will, we will get you on the paperwork. And uh, love to have you uh, do that. Um, the men, uh, or anybody who's not just the men, excuse me, anybody who's interested in helping with disaster relief. If they would meet up front right after church today, um, Whitey's got some things he wants to share with you, and uh, they're going to be working down at the creek again on Thursday night. If you can make it out for that, they would love to have you for that. Uh, Sandra wanted me to remind you guys about the Sunshiners trip to um, Ken and Mary's, which is Wednesday. So if you want to get, if you want to go to that, there's a sign-up sheet over here on the bulletin board. Right, not taking the bus, meet us there, sign up so we can kind of, they can kind of plan ahead and know how many people are going to be there so they can let the restaurant know. So they've moved the bulletin boards over here. So you sign up and uh, meet at Ken and Mary's. At what time, Sandra? Meet at Ken and Mary's at 11.30. If you've never ate at Ken and Mary's, which I would be hard to say that somebody lives in Cleveland County and never ate at Ken and Mary's, but it's pretty good. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, and um, I don't think I have any more announcements. There are some things in your bulletin to remind you that's coming up over the next month, um, but some of those things are several weeks out, so just uh, be sure you check your bulletin out. Joy has something she wants to share. So I took a picture two weeks ago. I said, Joy, do you have anything to say? She said, I don't have anything to say. I was really shocked and really surprised that Joy said she didn't have anything to say, so I took a picture. Well, she's going to make up for it today because she had two things she wanted to share with you. So, and after that, uh, I just invite you to, to join us together in prayer um, as we uh, begin worship. Stay. Oh, you want me to stay? No. Back in the spring, we had Steve Levinson come to the church and talk to us. And uh, he had talked about some children's books on the creation and the beginning of time, the book of Genesis specifically. So the WMU ladies got together and decided we would buy the uh, DVDs and books and donate them to the church library. We want to encourage any parents or anybody in the church for that matter that would like to get a book to tell their children about the beginning of time to uh, these will be in the library and Chad's mother is the librarian but she isn't here so I'm going to give them to Chad <laughs> so this is on behalf of WMU well thank you, thank you very much you are welcome the other announcement I have is uh, Baptist on Missions uh, September is Baptist on Missions month and uh, the motto this year or theme is relief for today, hope for tomorrow. A big part of the mission offering goes to disaster relief. In fact, 41% does. And Whitey is having a meeting after service to talk about disaster relief and how we can perhaps be involved in um, some of the things that are going on around the country with all these her um, tornadoes and hurricanes and um, whatever they're called. <laughs> Anyway, I uh, just wanted to tell you that in the back of the pews are offerings for your um, Baptist on Mission offerings, and the goal this year is $2,000, and um, we appreciate everything that you can give and ask you to prayerfully think about it and to think what this offering does. It starts churches. It um, Let's see, I had... Um, Church planning is 28%. Projects are 10%. Mission camps are, um, doesn't have the percentage on the mission camps. I believe it's 15. 
and we have one of the mission camps here in Shelby, so we hope you'll support this offering. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here this morning. Thank you for those that are joining us online. We appreciate you being here with us and thankful that you're here to join us in worship as we worship our Savior. Do have a couple of announcements. Continue to pray for those that are dealing with COVID. We hear more and more of people in the hospital. We have several families that are dealing with very severe cases within Cleveland County right now. But I also want to thank you personally for praying for my brother. I ask you to continue to pray for him. He is now waiting to go to rehab. Um, he's looking really good. He's talking. Um, he's able to do certain things. He's thrilled beyond belief because he's able to eat now and not have to go through a feeding tube any longer. So uh, he is very grateful, and he says that he is very grateful for the prayers and support for he and his family. Um, also needed to let you guys be aware of a um, former co-worker of mine. When Ginger and I were first married, we were at First Baptist Church of Allen, Florida, and uh, the music minister, Stan Stone, um, he is in Pennsylvania now. He's actually in ICU at John Hopkins. Um, he was running yesterday and fell. Um, don't know how he fell or, or, or if something happened that made him fall, but he has uh, some bleeding on the brain and some severe um, fractures of his skull. He is in critical condition right now at Johns Hopkins, so if you would please pray for Stan Stone and his family. His wife's name is Teresa. They have six children. All of them are grown and out of the house. But uh, pray for Stan right now because he is in desperate need of uh, a miracle, God showing up and, and, and touching him right now. So, But um, thank you for everything that you guys are continuing to do. Thank you for remaining faithful. And at this time, if you'd please join me in prayer as we start our time together. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. Dear Lord, we are so grateful that we do not have to go through anybody else. We don't have to go through a pastor or a priest or do anything special to enter into your presence. Dear Lord, it is because of your death on the cross, your sacrifice, that that curtain was torn separating us from you. And now, dear Lord, those that have accepted the gift of salvation. We are able to enter into the Holy of Holies to make our petitions known directly to you. And dear Lord, we praise your name for that. And as we enter into your presence today, dear Lord, we lift your name on high. You alone are worthy of worship. And dear Lord, that's what we've gathered here today to do is to worship you. And dear Lord, we enter your presence with heavy hearts. As so many of our families and friends are dealing with different things. Some are in the hospital. Some are in rehab. Some are at home. Dear Lord, even today, we have many of our own families within our congregation that are out because of sickness. Dear Lord, I pray for them right now. Dear Lord, I pray for our country right now. We need your intervention. And I pray for Christians that we will humble ourselves and we will pray and seek your face. Dear Lord, it's not all about what we want all the time. It is not about making us comfortable. But dear Lord, I pray that we will seek you and that we will be your witnesses here on earth. That we will stand strong on your principles, on your word. 
and that we will be men and women of Christian character. And dear Lord, I lift my brother Marty up to you right now. Thank you for what you're doing in his life. Dear Lord, I lift Stan Stone up to you. He has been so faithful to you, dear Lord, and we're thankful for that his faith and trust is in you as his Savior. But I ask you to be with him. Guide the doctors. Dear Lord, I thank you for the fact that Doug is doing well right now, but I ask you to continue to be with Doug Pittman as he is in the hospital this morning, recovering from surgery. Be with Joanne this morning, dear Lord. Dear Lord, please calm her nerves. Allow her to feel the peace that only you can give. Strengthen her. And dear Lord, I ask you to be with us this morning as we have gathered together to worship you. That just for this short time, just for this hour, that you will take away all distractions so that we may fully focus on you. May your Holy Spirit move among your people and may you open our ears and our hearts so that we will hear from you this morning. And above all, dear Lord, I pray that if there is someone that does not know you as their personal Savior, that they will come to know you today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. As Artie was praying, I thought about the song we're fixing to sing. So often we just sing a song and we're not really conscious of the words that we're singing. But with everything that not just us as individuals or us as our country, excuse me, or us as this world are going through, Listen to these words that you are fixing to sing. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Got anxiety? You got issues? Lean on the Lord. Let's stand and sing page 333, the first and the last verses. Leaning on the everlasting arms. We're going to skip over the children's message at this time. Something that the believer, the Christian, can understand 
that the non-Christian just will never get. And as Christians, we are actually priests. We are called to be priests because we are to be holy. And to be holy, you're a priest. And priests wear robes and crowns. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament and the New Testament, it refers to us wearing our robes and our crowns when we are in heaven. I know there's a lot of questions about what's heaven going to be like, what are we going to wear, will we recognize. I'm not going to take all that time. Read your Bible. But I did want to say that we are rewarded once we are in heaven with our crowns. And we will even receive jewels as rewards for what we did here on earth. There are going to be five different crowns. Now, some of you are going to be walking around like this because you're going to be wearing so many crowns, you can't hold your head up. <laughs> but there are going to be the crown of life, the imperishable crown, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, and the crown of glory. So imagine how exciting. I mean, we know all that there will be no tears, there'll be no night. It's going to be, we're going to be singing and praising our Lord. The song that we're going to sing, I Shall Wear a Crown, when we get to the end, we're going to repeat the chorus, and I'm going to ask you to stand and sing that chorus with us. So be ready. Oh, 
tell you what, God's got something planned for us today. Because no matter how we plan things and how much we prepare, Satan always throws wrenches in. Chad was prepared to do children's sermon and children's church today. But we have several families out that are sick, and so the only child that was here was his, little Izzy. And the, and the sermon that he had prepared wouldn't have transferred over really well online, so he's saving it for another time. The choir has sung that song many times. But when we were doing the slides, we could not find that song anywhere in all the slides that we had previously used. So we had to retype it this morning and redo the slides this morning. The only time Satan does things like that is when God's got something really big going to happen. Because he starts fighting tooth and nail to keep us off kilter, to make us lose focus. If you remember our sign out front, it's been the same thing for two months. And it's just as true now as it was the day we put it up. A storm is coming. How firm is your foundation? We know that storms are going to come. Even this morning during prayer, we prayed and asked God to help because people are being tossed left and right right now. Every time we turn around, we're being told something different. We don't know what to believe about what's going on in our world because it depends on who you listen to and what day it is, or even in some cases what hour it is, is what you're going to be told. So we need that firm foundation. The Bible says that those that don't know the Lord are tossed about like weeds in the wind. But it also says that the righteous man is like a tree planted by the rivers of water with deep roots that cannot be moved. And church, that's what we need to be. So today, I've made mention of this several times, but we're actually going to dig a little bit deeper into this today. And it is so important for us as Christians, those that are called by the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to understand this fact. And that is, faith is a verb. Faith is a verb. So if you would stand as we look, I'm going to be reading from James chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 14 through 17 as the key. So if you'd stand as I read this, James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. And this is what James writes. He says, what use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can the, that faith save him? If a brother or sister was without, without clothing in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and be filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. Let's pray. Blessed Lord and Savior, we come before your throne once again. Dear Lord, we thank you for what James writes here. Help us to understand what faith truly means and what it is and how we need to practice our faith. Bless the reading of your word. Speak through me today, and it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. The first thing, we're going to have a little bit of an English lesson and also a Greek lesson and a Hebrew lesson. So the first thing we have to understand is that, that the word faith is actually a noun and a verb. See, the English language, faith, 
is seen as a noun and it is defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now here's the, Greek, the, the English lesson. A noun is a person, place, thing, or an idea. You have proper nouns and you have improper nouns. Proper nouns are names, so forth. So according to the English dictionary, faith is a thing. It is a construct. The Greek word pistis, which is translated faith, carries with it the same idea as the English translation. It is a construct. It is something to hold on to. Okay? But Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It actually, in the biblical definition here in Hebrews, it is seen as a noun. It's a thing. But when you go back to the Old Testament and you look at the Hebrew, there's a couple of words that are translated as faith. The first word is imunah. And it is translated faith or belief. And the Hebrew word amen or amen translated believed or faithful. And in Hebrew, the idea is that faith, even though it's a noun, is accompanied by action. It has to, there's something that has to be there to make faith worthwhile. And look at Genesis 15, 6. It says, and this is talking about Abraham. It says, then he believed in the Lord. That's that word that, that's translated faith and it's translated believe. There is an action to it. He believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And in fact, the noun form of the word for faith in Hebrew is only found twice in the, New, in the Old Testament. It's found in Deuteronomy 32.20 and again in Habakkuk 2.4. And it talks about having lack of faith or no faith. That's the only time that it's referred to as a noun in the Old Testament. Every other time that it's used, it is associated with an action. And that is the very principle that the writer of James is trying to get across to us as Christians. That our faith is not just a thing, but our faith is something that moves us, that drives us, and causes us to do something. James 2.17 says this, Even so, if or even so faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. And in fact, in the previous verses, he gives an incredible example of useless things. You have somebody that's cold or hungry, and you come to them and say, be warm and filled, but you don't do anything about their situation. What good have you done for that person? Let's take it another, another thing. We tell people all the time, I'm praying for you. It is something that we say. But do we really pray for them by telling them, hey, you're in my thoughts and prayers and you leave it at that? Has that accomplished anything? There was no action associated with those words. In order it to be worth something, to be effective, what do we have to do? Pray. We have to do something. That's what James is trying to get us to understand. That it doesn't matter what we say. We can say that we believe the moon is blue. But unless we make that into an action, 
It doesn't count for anything and it's worthless. Many people in our churches today say they believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they come to church on Sunday and they sit in the pew and that's as far as their Christianity goes. My question is to you this, church. How good is that faith? James actually says, can that faith save them? True faith results in action. In fact, our first encounter with faith calls us to action. It literally calls us to action. I want you to think about this. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does it say that we have to do to be saved? Do what? Call on the name of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that we have to do something. We have to physically and emotionally and mentally make an action. We have to do something. If I had a $100 bill in my pocket right now, which I don't, but if I did, and I said, Joy, would you like to have this $100 bill? If she sat there right there in that pew and didn't do a thing, would she ever get that $100 bill? Nope. What would she have to do to get that $100 bill? She, had to, she said, run up there. She would have to get up off her rear end, walk up here or run up here, and take it out of my hands for her to receive that gift. Now, Grant, she wouldn't run, or she wouldn't walk back to her pew. She'd probably do cartwheels or something back to the pew because she just got $100. That is the same principle that it is with salvation. Jesus Christ is standing there with the greatest gift in all the world, more precious than anything that you could ever receive. And he's saying, if you want it, it's here. But you've got to come get it. And our first action, our first call to faith, results in an action on our part. If we don't act upon that faith, we say we can believe, but until we make that action and come to Christ and ask Him to forgive us and accept His free gift of salvation, it does not do us good. You guys understand that? Our very first experience with faith results in an action on our part or it's no good it is not our works or excuse me our works do not result in our salvation or faith you guys understand what i'm saying so many times we get the cart before the horse it is our faith that calls us to action But many times people think, well, if I do this, if I rush into a burning building and I save a child, God would not send me to hell. I'm good. If I feed these hungry people, if I do this, if I do that, I'm good. I can live however I want to. As long as I do good, I'm okay. I'm a good person. That does not bring us faith or salvation. How do I know that? You're saying, Artie, you're just saying that. No, God said it. The apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, these words. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of what? Works. So that no one may boast. God said that, not me. He gave Apostle Paul those words to write in his book of Ephesus, in his letter to the Ephesian church. And he said, listen, you guys are doing great works, but you've got it backwards. 
You're saved through faith, through the grace of God. It is a gift. You can't do anything to earn it, deserve it, or anything else. It is a gift of God. Why? So there's no one that can stand here like they've just scored a touchdown and point to themselves. Not because of me. It's all because of He. We get it backwards. And we think that we're good enough. No, we are not. Jesus is the one that makes us good enough. Not ourselves. And then our works are a result of our faith and our salvation. James chapter 2, verse 18 says this, But someone may say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you my faith by what I do. Listen. We do things out of obedience as Christians. And those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we do things out of obedience for Him. We do things because we love Him. We do things because that is what we do because He's moved in us and the Holy Spirit has gifted us to be able to do certain things. We don't do it because we, to earn it. We do it because of it as a result of our faith and, trans, and, and, and salvation. So we just can't sit and do nothing. We have to do something. You know, you ever had, you remember those of you that are old enough, well, let me say it this way. My son Timothy, the youngest of the bunch, the baby of the family, he gets bored sometimes especially being around his parents, he gets bored and he wants to be entertained and do different things and wants to be active. When he was a little boy, and actually all my kids, when they were little, they couldn't sit still, constantly moving. We'd go to visit my parents. And of course, my parents being older and no kids in the house, they didn't have all the electronics and everything else that, every, you know, that, they have of their, their own, and, and they would say that I'm, I'm bored. I'm bored. You know, that, they'd say that, and my mom had a, an incredible response to that. If they said they were bored at Mamaw's house, guess what Mamaw had them doing? Pulling weeds. They were out in her flower beds pulling weeds. Guess how many times it taught them not to say, I'm bored? Well, some of them are hard-headed like their daddy, and it took them more than once, but they seem to forget between trips to Florida. You don't say that at Mamaw's house. But now, every single one of the grandkids, no, you don't say you're bored at Mamaw's house. We as Christians, sometimes we get bored. Our faith becomes stagnant. And it becomes ineffective and it doesn't do us any good or anybody else. So you know what Jesus wants us to do sometimes? He wants us to get out there and pull weeds. He wants us to get up off our rear ends. And he wants us to do something. He does not want us to sit still. He does not want us to become stagnant. He doesn't want us to become stale. He wants us to be active and alive. And then James gives us two incredible examples of what he's talking about. Two examples in the Old Testament of faith resulting in works. The first is Abraham. And he says this in James chapter 20, or 2, 21 and 20 through 23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? 
you see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You guys remember the story. God had promised Abraham a son, and, and, and Abraham was an old man. His wife was an old woman, and she finally gave birth to Isaac. And his name actually means laughter. Because when God told them that they would have a son, Sarah was already old and she laughed. And I can imagine that. She goes, yeah, right. And she just laughed. Well, here she is. She's had a son. And he is of the age to help with, with his father do, do uh, offerings. And God tells him, I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. To us, that would be a strange request. But in that time, all the religions around, Abraham had seen child sacrifices. It was commonplace. God didn't want him to give him Isaac. He didn't want him to kill Isaac. In Abraham's mind, I can imagine as a father, he says... You just gave him to me. He was the one that you promised me. Now you want me to kill him? But if you remember the story, Abraham got Isaac. And I can imagine he was so excited. He was getting to go to, to, with his dad. He was going to build an altar and he was going to make a sacrifice. And he was so excited. And Abraham took one servant and, they, and, and they, he had everything that he needed minus one thing on that donkey. And as they led, he told the servant, stay here. He took all the wood and everything, packed it on Isaac. And they up the mountain they went. And Isaac kept saying, Dad, where's the, where's the lamb for the offering? Where's the offering? Where's the sacrifice? And what was Abraham's response? God will provide. So you can imagine, as Isaac helped Abraham build the altar, lay the wood on it, and then Abraham turned to Isaac and bound his hands. What was going through Isaac's mind? What was going through Abraham's mind? And he laid Isaac on the altar. God had not provided yet. But when Abraham raised that knife and started to move forward with that knife is when God said, stop. Don't harm the boy. And Moses heard an, a noise and he turned around and there was a ram stuck in a thicket by his horns, no damage to the, to the animal at all. Until Moses' actions perfected his faith. Abraham, sorry. Abraham, well listen, Moses the same way. He could have sat there at the burning bush and just stared at it, but he got down and did what he told him to do, didn't he? So there's action there too. But when Abraham came down with that knife, was when God said, stop. Heard a preacher one time said that as Abraham and Isaac headed up one side of the mountain, God had already started the ram up the other side of the mountain. Because God's timing is perfect. And most of the time, He is waiting on us to take that first step to receive the blessing that He has for us. But it takes action on our part to receive what God has got for us. And then he gives another example of Rahab. In chapter 2, verse 25, he says, In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? You guys remember the story. They were getting ready to battle Jericho, the walled city. It was thought to be impenetrable. 
And spies went into Jericho to, to, to get the lay of the land. And they had locked the city tight. And Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute, tells them that everybody in the city is scared to death because they've heard the stories of the children of Israel and their God. And how every city that stood before them had fallen. And they were determined that they were not going to fall. And they caught wind that the, there were spies in the city, and so they came searching, and, and Rahab's, Rahab hid them and told them to stay there until it was safe. She told the guards that came looking for them that they went somewhere else. And then she asked them to remember her and her family. And they said, put a scarlet cord outside of your window. Here is a woman that was not part of the children of Israel. But she had faith in God. And she believed what they had told them. And she did exactly what they told her to do. And when Jericho fell, I can imagine this. Jericho fell. It says the walls fell flat. And I can imagine that there was one piece of a wall standing straight up. And it was where Rahab lived. Because that scarlet cord was hanging out the window. And not only did God count it as righteousness for her, but He also included her in the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah. Because of her actions, she could have said she believed. But unless she did what she was told and the actions accompanied her faith, it wouldn't have done any good. Because you see, faith without action is worthless. Look at this last verse. Verse 26 of chapter 2. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Church, our Christian life, in fact, the Bible says that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Our salvation is a process. It begins with that act of faith. That act of accepting the gift of salvation, confessing our sins, asking Christ to be, forgive us. And that begins the process in our entire lives from that moment forward. The Holy Spirit is continually working on us, molding and shaping us. If we accept Christ as our, uh, Jesus as our Savior and we sit down and don't move another step, has He really transformed us? Has He really moved in us? Has that our faith created our salvation? I would tell you no. You thought you were buying fire insurance, but all you've done is make a statement and you've not put any feet to it. Faith without works is dead. It is like a lifeless body. It is worthless. But salvation should lead us to obedience, should lead us to obeying the commands and being His witness. In fact, the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, our faith moves us to obedience. And our first act of obedience, again, an act on our part is what? Baptism. An outward symbol of what has happened inwardly. That we have been buried with Christ in baptism and raised as a new creature through the power of the Holy Spirit. But our faith requires action. And church, now more than ever, our world needs to stop Seeing Christians 
playing a part, saying they believe. Our world needs Christians to stand in faith, to be obedient to Christ, to share the gospel regardless of the cost, to stand firm on His promises, on His principles, and not be ashamed. Our world needs to see our faith in action. They don't care. We have a generation of kids that could care less about what happens within these four walls. They want to see what happens outside of these four walls. They want to see us in this world. They want to see us in this community. They want to see us being real. And that takes action on our part. Church, it is time to put our money where our mouth is. So to speak, it is time for everybody that's called by the name of Jesus Christ, that say they have accepted Jesus Christ, that are called Christians, which literally means little Jesus. It is time for us to act. It is time for us to be awake. It is time for us to be active. It is time for us to demonstrate what we say we believe. Are you ready to be active? Are you ready to demonstrate your faith in what you do? Just as James says, you tell me what you believe, I'll show you what I believe by what I do. That is what our world needs right now more than ever. This is a time of the service where it is your opportunity to respond to what God is telling you. Regardless of what it is, if it is going to talk to somebody, do it now. If he is telling you, listen, you've never had this type of faith. You said you believe, but you never proved it. You never put actions to it. And if you want to know that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, don't leave this place today without getting that taken care of. This is your opportunity. If you are looking for a place to serve, a place to be active, a place to grow and part of a family, that yes, we struggle but we are still seeking to serve our risen Savior. If that is what you want, this is the time to take care of that also. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, do it today. This is your opportunity as we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing hymn number 406, The Solid Rock, 406. Don't forget as you leave this place today, show the world what you believe and how you, and, and how you act.
Don't just forget about God after being at church, but prove to the world what you believe about our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what you do and how you act. Don't forget men or ladies, anybody that wants to be involved with our disaster relief team, please meet Whitey up here in the choir loft immediately following the service. Don't forget Wednesday night, 6.30, Bible study for youth and children as well as adults. Um, choir practice at 7.15. And don't forget to continue to pray for each other. Also, we've got forms out at the Welcome Center. They are family information forms. If you would please fill one out, we want to make sure we have information or correct information for everybody um, as part of our, our directory as well as in our computer system that we'll have all correct information and contact information for everybody. Chad is going to dismiss us in prayer. Thank you for being here with us today. Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for this day, for allowing us to be here, to, to worship together, and to spend time together in your word today, Lord. I pray that uh, each and every one of us have heard your word today, and that we take your words and we put them into actions. That's what uh, already talked about all day. It's so easy to get complacent and just hear the things we and say, yeah, I'm going to do that. And, and then, you know, we, as soon as we walk out of here, and cross our mind until the next time we walk in the door. I pray that, God, that we take your words, the faith that we have in you, and the love that we've received from you, and we share it, and we, with every person that we come in contact with, through the way we treat them, through the things we do, and just through the way we interact with others. Lord, bless us as we go out, and I just pray that we have a wonderful week. And for safety and for uh, just for everyone's safe return here next week. Also, we ask in your name. Amen.